Welcome, everyone, to another episode of GTF, Gabriel Talks Football. My name is Aldo Gandia, and I just want one programming reminder. Tonight, it's Bears Country Podcast at 7 p.m. Join Dan Scorettino and his cohort, uh, Nomad. They'll be talking about yesterday's game and looking forward to the offseason. Now, let me bring in my man, Greg Gabriel. Greg, how are you, brother? I'm wonderful. How are you? Doing good. You know, I was really disappointed with yesterday's game because that game was there for the taking, just like so many of the Bears losses. And it would have been sweet to have that one on the mantle to beat the Philadelphia Eagles, a team who has played exemplary all season. But it wasn't meant to be. What what was your evaluation of overall? Uh, It's the same frustration we've had probably a half a dozen times this year where you're close, but you can't get over the hump for whatever reason. And a lot of times it, it falls on the bears, you know, the, a penalty, a fumble could be a missed call by an official. That wasn't the case yesterday, but that's been the case in some other games where it's just a couple plays that have made the difference in this game uh, or in these games would, you know, multiply it. Uh, but the one thing I like and you know me, I'm always talking positive. I don't like dealing with negatives. <laughs> is, is that, okay, yesterday and Saturday, they played the best team in the NFC and the best team in the AFC. Mm-hmm. So you're going to get an idea where this team's at. And, and the Bears are playing right now. Shit, there's about 45 cards in that deck. I mean, they got so many damn injuries, <laughs> and, and yet they still held their own. And nobody at wide receiver yesterday. Right. EQ gets hurt on that crossing route, and he got hit in the head. You could see it. It's actually the, the other guy came in late kind of and whacked him in the head. And, and uh, not that I thought there was a penalty or anything, but that's what caused the uh, concussion or put him in protocol. So it remains to be seen whether – uh, he can play this week against Buffalo. And I'll tell you, when you look at the forecast, it's only going to be about six degrees. Uh, wow. Saturday again. Who knows what the hell the wind chill factor is going to be? <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a chilly one, that's for sure. Listen, you know, we're, we're not ones to whine here, <laughs> right? But uh, there does seem to be the officials just seem to be uh, – What's the word? They they don't call these headshots to Justin Fields. I posted a video yesterday, and Damakon Sue, who has a reputation for headhunting and playing dirty in this league, Fields clearly slides. His butt is on the ground. He showed that he was sliding, and as Sue is running by, he hits him with force on the head and no call. Now the Bears always send these tapes into the NFL, and yeah, and then the league says, "Yeah, we should have called the penalty." Exactly. Sorry. What's going on, Greg? What, what can we do? <laughs> you can't. You, you can't do a thing except it's, it's just a, you know, you you make a point of emphasis to the officials. Like next Sunday, hey, you got to watch for this, our guy. Mm-hmm. You know, and and the officials do that too. But you know, I think they look at it like he's a running quarterback, and um, he's going to take his lumps because of the way or as much as he runs the ball and as good as he runs the ball. But you know what? He's if When you're going in for the slide, mm-hmm. I don't care if you're a good runner or a poor runner, you're still sliding. That's that's the thing that is irritating. And and some uh, people who have made uh, presented the case for referees saying 
these guys who are really, really fast sometimes don't get the flags because it happens so fast for the officials that they are reluctant to throw the pass because it just didn't register in time. And so I can almost buy that. But at the same time, on a play like yesterday, when you've got a notorious defensive player who has a record of cheap hits, that should have been called, man. Well, I think a better word is even a history. Yeah. You know, he's got a history over a long period of time of, of, of doing this, you know, regardless. It's all different types of situations and different games with different teams, different teams that he's played on. Mm-hmm. But he, he, you know, there's, there's a time when I think they called, there were people calling for a suspension of him. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's too bad because you get away from the game, the guy's really a nice guy. I've met the guy before. And it's yeah. just that, you know, he's a, he's a holy terror when he's on the field. Yeah, sometimes guys who are just really nice people, but in the heat of battle, all of a sudden it switches on the evil spirit within them. <laughs> <laughs> and they want, you know, they, they're so competitive that they're going to do a dirty play. You know what? I, it reminds me of when I used to play basketball. I used to follow everybody who would come near the lane. <laughs> and I didn't want to hurt them, <laughs> but I ended up hurting a few people. But that's a different <laughs> story for a different day. One of the reasons I love doing our show at this time on Mondays is because we get the latest thoughts from uh, Bears head coach Matt Eberflus, and he had his press conference, which ended about an hour ago. Uh, Valus Jones had another turnover yesterday, and this is what uh, Eberflus said about Valus. Yeah, I would just say, like anybody that goes through adversity, just be encouraging, you know, to encourage them, uh, teach, you know, fundamentally teach, and know what we need to do during that moment, you know, with the clasp hand and having five points of pressure, as I stated yesterday, and uh, that's really it. You know, and then just drill it and drill it and drill it. And, uh, you know, he had the ball in the correct arm. Um, you know, uh, Reddick ended up hitting his shoulder pad to his elbow and the ball came out. You know, so that means he didn't have five points of pressure on there. So uh, we got to do a good job of that. So this is not a thing where you would decrease his playing time or anything like that. It's teach him and then throw him right back out there? Or do you have to? Yeah, that's a discussion we have to have. You know, a discussion we have to have as a group. You know, and uh, we'll, we'll look at it during the course of the week and uh, we'll make our decision as we go. Now, yesterday was much more emphatic with this. Oh, yesterday was a little PO'd. (laughs) You know, and in fact, yesterday it sounded as if he might not see the field again, but hey, they got guys down. And, you know, Claypool, you don't know if he's going to be back this week. You don't know if if, uh, Harry's going to be back. He's got a back issue, whatever that is. And so, you know, somebody's got to line up and play. And He's a third-round pick who is, you know, arguably the fastest guy they got. It's too early. Disappointing, yes, but way too early to give up on him. Mm -hmm. What he needs to do is he needs to make a couple plays. Mm -hmm. You make some plays, he develops some confidence, and they'll go from there. But if this continues into next year, Mm -hmm. regardless if he's a third-round pick, he's not going to be around. That's that's exactly my thought on that situation, Greg. You know, he's 25 years old. You know, would the, you age, does, the age doesn't mean anything. But, I, think oh. throw, I don't care if he's 21. Yeah, it, 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 it's um, you're being drafted to make plays. You're you're pro. And if you can't make the plays and you keep making the same mistake, then it's time to send you on down the road. 
Yeah, and the only reason I bring up his age, uh, Greg, is because at a certain point, you know, if you're going to keep this guy on the roster and the practice squad when he's 26 years old next year, and 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 in practice he's still showing trends, or whenever he gets an opportunity, he's still showing trends of not getting it. Then at a certain point, you know, are you going to? keep the 21 year old that uh, was a fourth round pick next season or a fifth round pick or an undrafted free agent who's shown promise. That's well, here's the thing. I think in practice, he's pretty damn good, Mm. you know, and and then it doesn't carry over Uh into the games. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Mr. Shorty, my, my uh, buddy says, uh, where are the design quick plays for Valus, uh, Greg? Get the ball in his hands on a slant and let him get those yards after catch. And I think they've tried these bubble screens a couple of times. With they them. tried about early on yesterday. Might have been the uh, second play of the game or something. It was yeah. in that first series and, and might have been the first play. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they only they picked up about four or five yards on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in fact, it, you know, it was the same series because then EQ got on third down, EQ got the the first down, but got hit in the head. Yeah. Robert uh, says the season is over. So leave Valus in there and let him try and improve. He was in our 40. He was in for 40 snaps last game. Uh, give him another 30, 40 snaps. What do you think about what Robert says? They got no choice. Mm-hmm. Who else are you going to play? Yeah. Well, uh, Iberflus did mention that there's a that uh, uh, Nikhil Harry and Cl- Chase Claypool are trending the right way towards hopefully playing on Sunday. I wasn't aware that Harry was still had some lingering issues with his injury. Well, yeah, obviously he had something wrong with his back. That was what the issue was. Somebody had it on Twitter yesterday. They held him out of the game because of a back. I thought at first when I saw he was inactive that. You know, maybe he had a lousy week of practice or whatever, and then somebody clarified that that he he his back was tightening up or something, and and you know, in the cold, that's just you know, uh, uh, it just sets himself up for failure. Yeah, um, yeah, it's disappointing that we're not seeing more of Harry. Hopefully, he'll be fine, and 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 hopefully, the Bears' offense has. 50, 60 snaps a game, so we can get some of these guys playing time, and they can do something. Um, Iberflus was asked about uh, Justin Fields' progression. How is he improving in terms of getting off one receiver to another, uh, which is a topic I want to discuss with you. Let's listen to uh, Coach Iberflus first. Yesterday, obviously, with that good defensive line they had, he didn't have a lot of time when we were, uh, you know, dropping back. You know, they did a really good job, like you guys said, with stunts, and that was, uh, you know, something that we uh, obviously noticed during the game. Um, but uh, when he does have time, I think he uh, does a really good job of progressing through his uh, reads and delivering the ball on time. You know, it's like the, the first one, that first third down we made, uh, you know, the St. Brown, when St. Brown got hurt, um, that was an excellent pass and an excellent timing, and I thought his rhythm was really good. Greg, I take a minor exception with what he said there because there were a couple of plays that I saw yesterday where I wish Justin would have just gotten rid of the ball to an open receiver underneath, and instead uh, there was a sack. Um, do you still see – I mean, I see progression. There's no doubt about it. He's much better than he was the first three, four games of the season. Uh, so he is getting better at that, but he, there's still room for growth there, isn't there? There's always room for growth, and, it, it, and the growth comes with experience. But the saying that – you know, I, I didn't see anything yesterday where I'm thinking, oh, he's holding on to the damn ball, get rid of the ball, don't take the sack. I mean, there, the Philadelphia pass rush was ferocious. I mean, right off the bat, they got the top defensive line in the league, got the most sacks in the league. And it's not from one guy or two guys, it's everybody. 
mm-hmm. across the board, even some of the backups. They got a high number of sacks. They come after, they line up wide, uh, so it, it, it makes it a problem for the for the tackles. Hargrave was their, their three technique is a bitch. He had two sacks, and, and he's really good when he does those loop stunts. You know, he, and he's a free agent. So, I mean, he's a guy the Bears could be looking at. The only problem, he's going to be 30 next year. And he's also probably going to look at, at 20 million or better because he's going to have an all pro year. He's having an all pro year this year. So, uh, but I'm sorry. I, I, good. I was, I played something accidentally. Please go ahead. No, he's, he's a, uh, he, he's really a good player. I mean, they, they've got a number of guys. Hey, Quinn doesn't even play. <laughs> they gave up what a third round pick for Quinn. He doesn't even play. He's on IR. He's done for the season. Uh, Robert Quinn. Yeah. So uh, uh, he, I, I think it was an ankle or a knee or something. So he's, he's done for the season. He'll be looking for a job during the off season. So, well, yeah, but well, yeah, he had a, his contract reworked so that he becomes a free agent at the end of the season, but he wasn't playing before, when he got there. Right. right. He's only playing six or seven. I mean, I don't know why, how he gave up, how he usually does a great job and, mm-hmm. and wins most trades. Mm-hmm. And, he lost on that one, I and mean, he gave a three, gave up a three, and got nothing out of it. Yeah, uh, Robert is reporting that uh, he's heard a report that the Quinn might be back for uh, the Eagles playoffs. Well, he he can come back after four weeks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So let me. Uh, I did post a play on Twitter yesterday regarding Justin Fields, where I thought you know maybe the sack was on Justin Fields, and I wanted people to react to it. Uh, of course, some people called me an idiot and stuff like that. So uh, that's the world of Twitter. Let me uh, put it up on the screen here and uh, and get your thoughts on this. Let me make sure the audio is down. I'll go. Can you make that a little bigger? Here we go. Is that better? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So uh, you will see. Um, Oh, right over the middle here, it will be, I think it's Dante Pett. Oh, no, it's uh, Valus Jones. See number 12, right where it says third and 10? He's going to go across the middle, and right there, he's open. Now, the pass rush is coming right now. Right when you see Whitehair loses man number 84, and there's a sack. I thought, you know, given the ferocious nature of this Eagles pass rush, that this would it would have been a good decision for him to hit Valus wide open over the middle, and with his speed, he probably could have accumulated. Yeah, some with, with with more experience, and now he he sees that today. Boom! Mm-hmm. Get it out of your hand right now. Right. right. Um, but don't forget now that 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 linebacker was coming in late. Yep. Or defensive back. Mm-hmm. He's in this. He's in between. That he's there. See now. Yeah. Right when you want to get rid of the ball, he's right in between yes. where Valus is and the ball's got to go. Yeah. So you could be, you know, where it's easy to criticize. Sure. You know, it's he's in the side, you know, line of vision, and he could be thinking, I'm going to throw a pick six here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 you know, I'm always looking for that because I know that the offensive line needs tremendous help, but I think the quarterback can always do something to help those linemen. And that primarily is get rid of the damn ball. Even if you're throwing it at somebody's feet because of the pass rush, you avoid the sack and you just lose it down. So um, I'll tell you, the guy who disappointed me on the line yesterday was Whitehair and Hargrave had his, had his way with him. Yeah. Uh, that was, I thought that was his worst game all year. Mm. 
Now, Hargrave is going to make you look bad. Mm-hmm. Guy's a damn good player. But still, you know, so now it, it becomes, you know, at the price he's getting paid, uh, I think he's going into the final year of his contract. Maybe he's got two years left. Mm-hmm. Do you try to upgrade there somewhere else with somebody like a, a J. Tyree Carter? And we'll get to Leatherwood. I don't think Leatherwood's a tackle, and he proved it again yesterday. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe he'd be better off when he's got somebody on each side of him at guard. At least before you throw him in the wastebasket, you got to try him mm-hmm. at guard, in my opinion. And that's probably not going to be until you get into camp next year. Yeah. And then part of the offseason program. Yeah. You know, I, Greg, uh, I was thinking about you yesterday after watching that performance from the offensive line. And I, and I had to remind myself, this is a tremendous defensive uh, front that the Bears were were playing. But, you know, I've been with you that maybe it's it's appropriate for the Bears during the offseason to acquire one starting quality offensive lineman and then add more developmental type players. Uh, but after yesterday's performance, I was saying maybe we need more than one. Maybe we need two or three. Well, you might you might need two, but I mm-hmm. well, number one, you're gonna get Patrick back. And I know there's people who don't like Patrick, but I don't, you know, hey, I'm going on what I saw from a year ago. And it's up to the coaching staff in the front office for them to make a decision. But you know, they gave the guy some money, and I think you're gonna see him as a starting center. Mm-hmm. Uh in all honesty, must you first hasn't played that bad the last couple of weeks. Yeah. But he is what he is. He's a backup. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That that is he's holding the fort. You gotta have better. My opinion is Braxton Jones is gonna be damn good. I've been mm-hmm. saying it all year. They, they don't have a they don't have a right tackle right now. Mm-hmm. You know Riley Reef's gonna be what 34 next year or something like that. I think so. Yeah. Um Leatherwood showed yesterday he cannot play right tackle. The same thing that happened to him with the Raiders last year was happening to him yesterday. And you didn't see it. And we're going to look at some clips in a little while. You didn't see that when he played on the left side. Now, I know I'm beating a dead horse, but I just, and I keep repeating it, but I just don't think he's capable of playing on the right side. And I don't even care if it's at, at right guard. Mm-hmm. He just, for some reason, <laughs> the footwork gets all fucked up. Mm-hmm. Excuse my, my French, but, uh, when he's playing on the, on the right side, he doesn't look nearly as good. I think he's, you know, try him at left guard. If he can't play left guard, throw him out. Yep. All right. Well, let's take a look at some uh, Leatherwood tape. Uh, but first, I want to play uh, Eberflus's reaction to Leatherwood's play yesterday. This is about 20 seconds long. I thought he got some good reps in there. I thought he had some good moments in there um, going against some good pass rushers, you know, so I think he learned some, you know, in there as well. You know, he had some adversity. Um, you know, so that's always going to happen when you play some good rushers, and he's just got to build upon that and learn from that experience. Keep the rotation going too. Uh, we'll see. Okay. We'll see as it goes. You know, we got some guys coming back. We'll see what what happens as we go. Perhaps the most diplomatic coach in the history of Chicago Bears. They're not going to throw anybody. Very. I, I'll tell you something though. Did you know what he? Did you catch what he did yesterday? Uh, which which he thing? threw coaches under the bus. Yeah, 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 yeah. He did. That's right. Yeah, he goes. Well, sometimes not the players' fault. It might be the coach's fault. Mm. And he didn't mention any names. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, and, and you know, and I think part of it was without mentioning names, but they were they were talking about the the busted assignment that Jaquan Brisker had. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. he, he he was on a safety blitz and he hit the wrong, came in in the wrong hole. 
Yeah. And, um, you know, then he had the way he answered that. Well, some, you know, sometimes as a player, the player's got to be aware of what he's supposed to be doing down in this is everything else. He goes, but he's got to be coached right, too. Mm -hmm. Indeed. Uh, Donald says he's worried that we may not have a right guard now. And Iberflus did offer uh, basically the same update he did yesterday. Things are encouraging. So he might not have a right guard the rest of the season. Who knows? I mean, he, he might be fine. He might be practicing Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it depends what the, the thing is, you know, he might've had a stinger or something. Mm-hmm. It was weird because he, he, he really didn't, I mean, he was making contact. Right. And then, I mean, something happened in his neck or his shoulder or something, but you could, by looking at it, and I've looked at the play a number of times, mm-hmm. I can't tell you what it was. Yeah. Now, this is a player who has had a history of back issues. And so maybe. Yeah, but this was up in the neck. Well, the back, the neck, the spinal cord, I mean, you know, the, the French, the left bone connected to the right bone kind of thing. I don't know. Uh, but here's here's the interesting thing is that he was going in for uh, more uh uh, uh, opinions, uh, second and third opinions. And so that tells me that perhaps things are good, but he wants to absolutely make sure before making a decision. It could be true that the, the Bears medical staff, they, they, they've got a couple specialists that are connected with their doctors mm-hmm. that are specialists in certain areas. And, yeah. they'll, and, and the only reason I know this is because I go to the same group of doctors. Yeah. You know, and, and they are so fine-tuned in that, you know, if, if you got a knee problem, the knee specialist looks at you. Mm-hmm. If you got an elbow problem, they got an elbow guy that looks at you. you know? mm-hmm. and they're all within the same group, but they specialize in certain things. So they're going to have a guy who's, you know, if this is in the neck or in that area up there, they're going to have a specialist who looks in that, you know, works in that area look at it, and then give his opinion. All right. We've got some clips of uh, Leatherwood's action from yesterday. Uh, let me bring up the first one here. Uh, this is uh, him having some issues, perhaps, with the speed rusher on the outside, who is Patrick Johnson. Oops, there, where'd he go? There it is. Well, number one, you know, as we talked off the air, and by the way, I'm getting some feedback on this where, you know, it's, it, I'm, what I'm saying is repeating in my ears. Let me uh, take care of that. Hold on just a second. Um, let me do this. And then the audio quality uh, is better now, uh, at least from an echo standpoint, correct? Oh, well, I don't know. I'm not talking. Okay. Yeah, it's gone. Okay. Great. Okay. So take it away. He's he's lined up in a in a what we call a wide nine, and he's got to be able to step out laterally. And now his his right foot. Look at his right foot's in the air, and he's coming back. Mm-hmm. But and he gets his shoulders turned right away. And when you turn your shoulders like that, you're you're, you're dead in the water. Mm-hmm. Okay, so and he he can't move out quick enough laterally because of the steps he's taking. He's got to adjust his steps for that type of rusher. Mm-hmm. You know, so, you know, if the guy was playing in at, say, a seven technique, then his, then his steps were a little bit better. But the guy's at a nine, so he's got to make an adjustment. And he doesn't get his hands on the guy, and it just gets beat. Now, t- going back to what Flute said, 
Boy, he was being diplomatic because the guy stunk <laughs> yesterday. I mean, come on, let's 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 be fair. They had to get him out of the game because he would have got somebody killed. Uh, that, that is funny. It does it does almost seem like he trips after right here. See, I, it's almost well, like he clicked that, his heels. Well, yeah, but that's part of your footwork. Okay. Although you can't let your feet do that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Jeez, it's, it's you know, almost so comical. It, it, but. It, it, it starts with not having the right footwork to stop a wide nine rush. Mm-hmm. And like I say, you can't sit up there and turn your shoulders like that. And that because you're, you're already, you've already lost the battle. Right. Doing while, that. while we're here, Greg, look at number 70 at, at the bookend here, Braxton Jones, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it appears that he does everything textbook, textbook perfectly here as I roll it. Slides over perfectly. The back is straight, as you've taught me, and just stays in between him and yep. the quarterback. Super job by Braxton Jones. The, the uh, only, there, there's two things on Braxton in that Okay, I, I would have corrected. You want to go back? Go back to the beginning. See how low his hands are? Oh, yes. Okay. Yes. I'd have my, he's got to get his hand up a little higher so he can punch quicker. Yeah. And that's about it. I mean, the, the other thing is it'll come in the off season. Mm-hmm. He has got to get stronger in the lower body. Mm-hmm. He doesn't necessarily have to get bigger. He just got to get stronger mm-hmm. so he can anchor better. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that'll come. I mean, don't forget this kid with the Southern Utah – so the the weight program he was in at Southern Utah isn't anywhere close to the weight program he's going to have here, and you give him one good off season here, and you know he'll probably improve his his lower body strength by 20 percent, and that's going to take care of the his problem with anchoring. All right, now let's go to our second clip, which is um, Leatherwood up against uh, Hassan Riddick, the speed rusher. And we'll There's two things wrong with that. Okay. Okay, let's play it one more time. Here it comes. First of all, he gets his shoulders turned. His footwork is awful. Mm-hmm. But because he can't move quick enough laterally, look at his back. Mm-hmm. That's He's not bending at the knees. He's bending at the waist. He's lunging, and you lose the guy. Here it comes again. Now, his, now you got a wide view of that where, where where you got Braxton in there just to see. What unfortunately, he's not. No, no. Only the the broadcast copy here. There's Braxton, but yeah, um, NFL. He well, he's Braxton Jones is is. You know, I don't care what round he went in. He's an elite athlete. You know, the, sure num- the numbers say that, and mm-hmm. and. Uh, but this guy, this guy cannot play tackle. Yeah. Not yet, or put it this way, he can't play right tackle. And Sad. you got to play him inside. Hey, wasn't he was a waiver acquisition? But you did pick up his contract. Mm-hmm. Yep. So you're going to be on the hook for the rest of the contract. So if you're going to try to save, and it's not that it's huge, but if you're going to try to save that. I think they got to try him inside. They may have practiced him inside some, but I think that his chance to survive is going to be as a guard, not as a tackle. Yeah. And I think, you know, people need to remember, uh, because I heard it 
so many times it, it was becoming irritating. Why don't we see more of Leatherwood? Why don't we see more of Leatherwood? Well, you did. You saw yes, why. <laughs> exactly. The coaching staff has been seeing a lot more of Leatherwood in practice, and that's why they're giving them uh, little uh, morsels of playing time to see. Well, you know, you, you, you had last week, you know, you played a few plays last week, and we showed a couple clips. But some of the stuff that we saw, even though he, he didn't get beat last week, right? remember, go back, I was saying, look at how he's doing this. And, and he's he's bent at the waist instead mm-hmm. of keeping his, his back straight. See, I, I hate waist benders. You, in my opinion, and, and this is the way I've been taught going back 40 years now, is that you got to keep your back straight. you got to bend your knees. If you can't bend your knees, you can't play in this league. Mm-hmm. And the, now there are uh, some exceptions, and they get by, but they don't. They don't stick around for a long time. I mean, the the key. I don't care what sport it is, basketball or whatever. You watch the good players, the good defensive players in basketball. They're all knee benders. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Okay. And, and you've got to be able to do that, and that way you you it helps you with your balance and distributing your weight, keeping your back straight. Some of the best there was, remember a, a tackle? Now, this goes way back. It was an all-pro tackle from Denver. His name was Zimmerman. Played in the USFL. You know, he's from the University of Oregon. Mm-hmm. And that guy was probably the the best knee bender I ever saw. <laughs> I mean, he was, like, sitting all the time. And you'll see when you're watching one-on-one drills, you know, you hear the line coach, yell out, sit, sit. And that means, you know, keep your back straight, get your ass down, bend your knees. Because now you've, you, you've created some leverage where it's your lower body comes into play and you're able to stop the bull rush or the mm-hmm. power from your opponent. Interesting. Um, all right. I, I, I wanted to include this play, not because it was uh, Leatherwood's uh, fault, for the sack here, but I wanted to to ask you if Cole Komet should have gotten some help here uh, because he's one on one with the speed rusher while well, he's, got, he's got nobody to help him. And, and as we talked off there, when you showed the the tight copy of this right here, right is and I, now this is at least the fourth time I've seen this this year, mm-hmm. and it's been with Larry Borum, it's been with Riley Reef a couple of weeks ago. And now on this play here, where the right tackle, so when the protection they're calling, the right tackle is blocking to the inside. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And now there's been times when there's been no tight end there. And then that wide rusher's coming free. So, and the quarterback's gotten killed. So here they kept in the, the tight end. Cole Komet did not do a good enough job. He needs to you know, work with the lineman a little bit on, on learning how to pass pro because he's strong enough and he's big enough uh, to take on, you know, a rusher like uh, Philly had right there. And he's athletic enough. He's just got to do it right. He's got to position himself. He stopped his feet. Play it back again. Sure. Right there, he kind of stops his feet instead yep. of moving laterally. And then yep. he turns his shoulders and gets, and gets feet because he gets turned. You got to get in front. You got to stay in front of the guy. Mm-hmm. And but what they have in their protection scheme that has the tackle blocking down to the inside, mm-hmm. and they all are. So it, you know, somebody it, it, it's the what the design is. 
if you look at because because you look at the guard, the guards blocking inside, right? You know, so it's just the way that design. I don't like that particular design. Yeah, you got four it. guys on two pass rushers right there. Um, um, right. And and as well, actually, I mean, yeah, you got yeah you got four guys hair. on two. Four on two. You're right. Yeah. Uh, and you got white hair, Mustafer, the uh, right guard, Schofield, and and you've got <laughs> poor leather with looking for somebody to block. Well, Gokomet is out there on the island. Now, Berlissimo says something similar to what I said pre-show, Greg. He says, that's called protection left. That's on the center or quarterback. Everyone is going left. And so that's my question for you. Is this something that, you know, Fields or uh, or Mustafer should have uh, 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 adjusted at the line of scrimmage? Right. It's, it, it's within the protection scheme Mm -hmm. and so you know you see that that lineup like that somebody somebody's got to change the protection all right but i just don't like because i said fourth time i've seen it this year where i've come away and say what the fuck why is that why is that right tackle blocking to the inside and leaving the outside free Mm -hmm. yeah uh nomad uh let's see what I uh, have that. Uh, he says, who, he's played some uh, tackle in his days. Uh, he says he doesn't buy a little or can't play right tackle. He's just got to rep left side techniques out of his muscle memory. Which yeah, is- but he's been, this is his, his second season right. playing right tackle. Okay, he played left tackle most of the year. He might have played even some guard at Alabama. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. But I know he's left tackle at the end. And he was a pretty good one. I mean, that's why he got drafted the first round. Mm-hmm. Everything we've we've talked about this before. Everything gets reversed when he goes over to the right side instead of his, you know, on the left side his left foot's back, and is usually moving to his left and then recovers back to his right. On the right side his right foot's back, and he's got a setup going wide right, mm-hmm. and then you know then he pushes off the right foot to come back to the inside, you know, to take on a counter stunt or whatever, and. There's some people that just can't do it for, right. for whatever reason. You know, they got to play one side or the other. They can't play both, which tells you if he's not going to be a starter, you might not want him as a backup because, he's, you know, because he's going to get somebody killed. Yeah. So okay. unless he can play guard, uh-huh. he might be a total wash. And that was that, you know, the only thing on the Bears on that is they used a waiver claim on him. So it's it's no big deal. It's like, hey. He costs some money because you picked up his contract, but um, is what it is. Ravi says, what if you switch Braxton Jones and Leatherwood for a game? And I would only say, yeah, just if you're going to do that, don't, don't have do Justin that. Fields anywhere near the football No, why, why would you take – in fact, I heard – I think it was David Kaplan. I love David, so I'm not trying okay. to pick on him. Mm-hmm. But he's going – they got to do is get a left tackle in, in free agency and move Braxton Jones under right tackle. Okay. If you look at what the left tackles are in free agency next year, mm-hmm. how about Peters? <laughs> um, there's like three names or four names, and none of them can play anymore. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, and, and Braxton Jones, that's why you send guys out to scout. Yeah. That is your prototypical left tackle. When you look at the athleticism and the length and stuff, he's just got to get a little stronger in the lower body. Mm-hmm. And 
shit, he's a you know 22, 23 year old rookie. That's right. Um, there's a ton of upside with that guy. Mm-hmm. But now you look at the tackles on the right side that are available. You got McGlinchey. You've got uh, Conklin with the Browns. You've got Fant with the Jets, who's been hurt a little bit this year. Um, Conklin, I think, is going to be 29 next year. McGlinchey, 28. Fant will be 30. And, and, you know, you can sign a 30-year-old. I don't worry about signing a 30-year-old offensive lineman. I don't know if I want to sign a 30-year-old defensive lineman and give him $20 million when I'm trying to rebuild a defense. And that's, you know, that's the decision that Ryan Poles will make when it comes to Hargrave because that's it's going to cost him $20 million to get that guy. Indeed. All right, I've got one more here, and I <laughs> – it just re- it reminds me of last week when we were preparing for last week's show. I picked a handful of Raiders clips, and I was like literally laughing out loud because he was just stumbling all over the place, and he did the same thing on this play. <laughs> it just is he swimming with the left hand? What's going on here? Help hand me. work was atrocious on that. Look at how long. Yeah. Was. Plus, he's he, again, he's not setting up wide enough. His footwork is bad, so you know his lateral steps at, at, right at the snap are bad, and then his handwork is just atrocious there. Jeez, oh, it's not good. It is not good. I, I think this was uh, one of his last plays. I don't think he did a snap. Uh, in the second half at all. I thought they saw enough in the first half, and they put Riley Reef in there, who I thought had a really solid game. No, R- Riley's played good. You, yeah. get, you can't take it away. The guy's a pro, and the guy's played a lot of football. Mm-hmm. Yep. Jordan says that it's a bad choice to use the outside hand as a single punch, which is what he does sort of there, I guess. <laughs> well, yeah, but you got to be in position to punch. Mm-hmm. And first of all, he's giving ground right off the bat instead of going more laterally mm-hmm. against that. And he's doing that every time. That That's something that you got to work on during practice during the week. You know, you're, you're looking at the alignment of the defense mm-hmm. and how wide they are. You got to work on that. Yeah. So Bellissimo's point is that he thinks the, the bigger issue is his hands too low, too slow, no punch, no reset. It, it's his feet that aren't the worst part. Not that he's giving him a passing grade on his feet. Uh, what do you think about Bellissimo's comment? Well, I, I, I don't totally agree. His handwork on that last play was awful, mm-hmm. but you gotta you gotta set properly and stay as square as you can to the line of scrimmage. When you start turning like this, now you're you're giving you're already giving up the edge. Okay. And you gave the advantage to your opponent. Yeah. By turning, so you got to stay like this and try to get in front of them. Yeah. If you go back and you look at like like Braxton keeps getting better, mm-hmm. you don't see him turning like that. You you see him turn some because they have to, but they try to stay as, stay as square as, as they can. Yeah. But when you turn early like he does, it's all over. He's beat yeah. right then. Right. Um, J2K, I like uh, his comment here. He said uh, uh, Jason Peters might have said it best. Offensive tackle is easy. Get to your spot and let the guy come to you, <laughs> which is kind of a, a a simple explanation for the position, but there's a lot of truth to that, isn't there? Yeah. No. Well, you know, he's pretty damn good. And and for a guy as big as he was, and we've, we've talked about this before, 
you know, he was a tight end in college at the University <laughs> of Arkansas. He never played offensive line tackle until he got to the Buffalo Bills as an undrafted free agent. Mm. Okay. He was a 310-pound tight end at Arkansas. Yeah. Um, overall, Braxton Jones did a great job. I wish I would have pulled this clip. He was interviewed uh, in the press in the locker room afterwards, and he very eloquently talked about where he had some struggles with stunts on some place. He said one time it was Cody's fault, one time it was my fault, and he, he just – explained it really well but there the my question to you is overall though the offensive line for the bears had trouble with the eagle stunts it it, it was yeah no, they did the, the eagles they got the number one their personnel is great mm -hmm. i mean mm -hmm. even their backups are good their backups are better than the bears got along the defensive line yeah the but on top of that they stunt the hell out of people and when you got young linemen, it makes it difficult. You, not, you get good playing against that stuff. You know, so now Braxton learns from the mistakes he made yesterday. Mm -hmm. And he's a smart kid. You hear him. He's, you know, he's a well-spoken kid. He knows when he makes a mistake and he sees it. And, he, and, you know, you get into the game the next week and somebody tries to stunt. You go, okay, I've seen this. You know how to react to it because you've seen it before. But you got to be prepared. Yep. And Chubbs is 100% right. Every offensive line has had troubles uh, with the Eagles this year. That's why they're leading the league as a unit in sacks uh, with just their front four. You're absolutely right, Chubbs. And to your other point or question, uh, Chubbs, yes, there were some plays where Leatherwood did well. I did not uh, pull that because we wanted to con construct where are the issues with his play. But for the most part, the plays that he did really well are all run plays. The guy can run block. Leatherwood can run block really really well well he's got some ass to him and he's got some power to him that's why i think he's an inside player yeah. when you got when you're an inside player then you don't have to worry about the wide you got somebody next to you you got a center next to you you got a tackle next to you yeah yeah you know and and you can pass them off you're you're in a more confined space yeah now, did you see the washington game last night um just some of it that I watched today because I wanted to see how pain played. Yeah, <laughs> which is exactly the question I was going to ask you. So I thought he played relatively well. Uh, there, are some I thought he was. I I was kind of disappointed to be honest with you. I yeah. didn't think. I mean, Aids plays. He, he, I've I've seen him better. Mm -hmm. Let's put it that way. Yeah. And and right now, after I watched that game, and then I went back and I and I watched some Denver now. Um, Draymond Jones is hurt now. He's on IR. He hurt his hip last week. Mm -hmm. But and he plays like in their base defense at Denver. He's really like a five. But when they're in the sub, he's more of a three. And he's very quick. He can run really well. You know, he's going to be one of these guys in the discussion to sign, uh, assuming that hip is all right. They said it's about a four week injury. Uh, but it won't get him back because of when he was placed on IR, he's done because they're not going to be in the playoffs. Um, Price-wise, you know, he was a third-round pick coming out, so he's not making that much money. Mm -hmm. When you look at dollars and cents, he's probably going to be the most affordable guy. Mm -hmm. And he had – before he got hurt last week against Kansas City, he had six and a half sacks. 
at five and a half last year. He had six and a half the year before. He's in that, you know, he probably would have had seven and a half, maybe eight on the year if he was able to play those last four games, which for an inside guy is pretty good. So, I mean, he's going to be one of the guys that they're going to be, I would assume that they're going to be looking at in free agency. Interesting. The top way, three and, and you know, Hargrave, Payne, and, and Draymond Jones, in my opinion, are the top three. Yeah, I'd be happy with any one of those guys. And I know that yeah. they might be in a position to have to pay more in order to get acquire somebody, but the salary cap is going to go up uh, and, and, and probably going to go up every year for the foreseeable future. So You know what? No, it's funny because there hasn't been any leaks. They just had the, you know, the December meetings down in Dallas last yeah, week. Right. They always give the, the cap managers are at that December meeting. And they always give them an amount that we think the cap's going to be around X amount of dollars. Mm-hmm. And so now you can start your planning. You don't get that that real figure until late February, early March. You know, uh, but... They can get within one and a half to two million dollars right now of where they're going to be. I'm really surprised that nothing's leaked out. Yeah, I'm surprised too. I am shocked. Because it almost always does. Yeah. You go back to those meetings, you always see, well, cap's going to be flat next year or whatever. They're going to get $10 million next year. Nothing came out of that meeting. Well, I'm sure Mike Florio is listening right now, and he'll come up with some bogus <laughs> response. To that. Just kidding, Mike Florio. <laughs> um, by the way, did you hear the breaking news? It appears that Jalen Hurts will not play Sunday against the Dallas Cowboys because he injured his shoulder on that uh, when Travis Gibson, according to Adam Schefter, drove him into the ground. Uh, in late in the third quarter, so it, it, well he did. I I thought he could have separated his shoulder on that one. To tell yeah. you the truth, well, <laughs> and, and it was it was a it was a clean hit. There's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with the hit. Yeah. Um, but that was this really the same type of play where uh, Justin separated his shoulder. Yeah, interesting. You come interesting. down, you hit with your shoulder first, and you got that weight on there, and then the. Right. The bone, the, the clavicle pops away from the, what's the other bone? The, uh, I, 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 I can only think of it if I sing the song. So let's skip that. <laughs> um, I know this is the clavicle right here. There you go. And I've had a separated shoulder. I've had three surgeries for him. Jeez. Greg, I mean, how many surgeries have oh, you had? God. You really want to know? Yes, please. I bet you I've had 15. Holy moly. Jeepers, creepers. <laughs> Orthopedic surgeries, five knees, mm-hmm. three shoulders. Now, one is like, you know, in 1971, the first time I separated my shoulder, they put a pin in. Okay. So the pin was in six, eight weeks. And then I had to take the pin out. Technically, that's the surgery because they made an incision, mm-hmm. did it under a local, but made an incision and pulled out the pin. Uh, you know, I didn't have to go out, but technically that's a surgery. So that's the second. And then I separated it again in 
76, I think it was. And then they did what they call a resection. They don't do resections anymore. What they, they do is they cut off the tip of your clavicle. Uh-huh. Or, and so it's like permanently separated. And then there's a wire in there. And it didn't, you know, it's my right arm. It doesn't hurt my range of motion at all. And I've never hurt it again. And I played football six years after that. Um, there's a tiny little bit of arthritis, but you know, they told me back then that's 50 years ago. They told me I'd probably have a little arthritis, but like I said, I get, I got full range of motion. So good for you. Good for you, man. Oh man. I can't, I've had both thumbs done right thumb twice, left thumb once, um, my Achilles. Oh wow! That's right. When I first met you, you were hobbling around because after the Achilles, post- the Achilles, I did. I was sitting where I'm sitting here now. Somebody came to the front door, and dog was going crazy. And I, had, I popped up out of this chair to go to the, you know, stop the dog, and my Achilles popped. Ah, uh, never made it to the door, huh? <laughs> no, I made it to the door, and I opened the door, and it's the mailman, and I go, and he just looked at my face, and I go, I know, I just popped my Achilles. <laughs> I knew what I did. Chris wants to know how uh, far up the chain did you go uh, playing football? Well, I played in like minor league football for eight years after I got out of college. And then uh, you went into scouting ranks, right? Yeah, the last year I was playing football, I was working part-time for Buffalo. Oh, amazing. Amazing. All right. Want to get your thoughts on this defensive uh, performance yesterday? Iberflus said, "I'm actually proud of the way the defense has played. The way the defense has played the last two weeks, and I gotta, I gotta admit that this defense does look better than the defense we saw for that period of time where they were just giving they, up." I, I gotta say one thing. First of all, Philly threw for three hundred some odd yards. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I thought secondary played pretty damn good. How about it? I yes. mean, there there was three deep throws by Hertz. Excuse mm-hmm. me, outrageous throws, because every single time the coverage was very good. You can't blame the defensive back; those were perfect passes. Yep, indeed. Um, uh, uh, sophisticated thoughts wants to know your assessment of Kyler Gordon's performance yesterday. I think he's proven. He's a young kid. He came mm-hmm. out a year early. Um, he's improving every week. He's getting confidence. The guy that is uh, impressing me is Jalen Jones. Yes. The other rookie. Mm -hmm. And we talked a little bit about him last week. Mm -hmm. And he's taken over that spot from from Kendall Vildor. I don't know if Vildor was able to play or not. I don't even think he did play yesterday. So he still may be hurt. But that kid's got a future. Yes, he does. He really does. And you, I think you provided some backstory last week. You said that there were some issues perhaps. Yeah, at I don't know exactly what the issues were, but there was something that happened at Old Miss. He's a little bit older. He's a 25-year-old rookie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, might have been 24, you know, at the beginning of the season. He's 25 now. Um, but he ran like, you know, 4-4-1, got a 35-and-a-half, 36-inch vertical, he ran a sub seven second three cone. You know everything was was really good. He's mm. five ten and three quarters. He's got thirty one and a half inch arms. So he's got, you know, he's not the tallest guy in the world, but he's got length. You know, the arm length uh, to make up for it. 
He did 18 reps, which is excellent for a defensive back. So he's Indeed. got some some strength, and he'll hit you. I, I, I think they, they stole one there. Yeah. Um, and the second part of Sophisticated's uh, question was something that we addressed earlier in the show, and that was Brisker uh, blitzing out of the wrong gap. That could have been an Allen Williams bad call, or it could have been Brisker, but uh, – Greg said that given what Eberflus said yesterday, maybe we can speculate that Williams made the bad call. No, I think he was saying it on the position coach. Okay, okay, so okay, gotcha. Not not the coordinator, the the whoever is the safety coach. Mm-hmm. All right, all right. Let's get to some comments here. I like what Henneman said uh, earlier. He says he thinks that we drafted Kyle Long specifically because of Ndamukong Sue. He was a real force when he came into the league. He skews towards dirty, but if he's on your team, you like him. Football is a tough sport. Yeah, I agree with Michael here. If, if Sue was, were playing for the Bears during his prime, I, I would forgive his offenses. <laughs> That's the kind of fan. I, I, I remember when he was coming out of Nebraska. He was a he was a bitch. Mm-hmm. And Eugene Parker was his agent. Eugene was, God rest his soul, is, you know, very, very, very close friend, as is his son, Brandon. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it, did they draft Long? I, you know, I can't say that. You know, what was interesting is Long was a 25-year-old rookie. It was a 2013 draft. I was working for Philly at the time as a consultant that's the year they hired chip kelly who came from oregon and mm-hmm. kelly wanted no part of him part of long and um so there was obviously something that went on at oregon now you know kyle long was you know he had some issues when he was younger yeah. uh, and he originally went to college on a baseball scholarship not to play football he was a pitcher and, uh, you know, I had some issues with drugs and some other things. And then, you know, he was an all-state football player and an all-state uh, baseball player. And, and then he switched back to football, went to a JC, and then ended up at Oregon. But he was a little bit older by the time he got out of Oregon. But uh, Chip Kelly, he never told the whole uh, scouting department what the issue was. I'm sure how he knew what it was. But there was no way that, that we were going to take him. In fact, that, that draft, uh, the guy that lines up um, lane who lines up at right tackle for the Eagles was uh, the Eagles first pick that draft. Oh, okay. Um, got his name, but nonetheless, um, let's get some more questions here. Uh, Jordan just posted this one. He says, what did you make of Jalen Johnson yesterday? Oh, you just talked about that. <laughs> I thought Jalen played really well. First of all, he's covering one of the better receivers in the league, and they had him, if he's on the right side, the left side, whatever, he followed him around. Mm-hmm. And he's probably going to have Stephon Diggs this week. So yeah. it's not like he's getting a week off when he goes against Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Um, they uh, That was a good battle. I mean, the, the, the one long play, you can't ask for a better throw than that yep. because Jalen had great, great coverage. Yep, he did. You know, he had some breakups. Uh, I think he had at least three breakups in the game. Yeah. Um, he was kind of beat on the one on the left side that he broke up in the end zone, but mm-hmm. he recovered quickly to, to get it. Uh, he's a good player. 
Do you yeah, like the idea of him being that traveling cornerback who was guarding? Well, I think they, they, they got so much inexperience. There, there's three rookies that started <laughs> yesterday. Right. Yes. Okay, when you when you count uh, your sub package is all starters, and they do because you're playing against three wides, Jones, mm-hmm. Gordon, and Brisker were, are all rookies, true rookies. Mm-hmm. So you, got, you had two veterans back there, and that's it. All right, let's go. And one of the veterans is a backup, Houston Carson. Who who always impresses me. Not that he plays flawless football, but this guy, I I think on many teams he would be a a legit starter. I've always been surprised that he hasn't tested free agency. Uh, Well, he was a free agent last year. They brought him back. Yeah, I mean, I'm surprised. I guess he did test it, but I'm surprised that he hasn't uh, been given a nice offer because I think the guy can be a legit starter in this league. He's a real and a great special teams player. Yeah. Uh, um, Mike Pinnell uh, played well yesterday. Uh, Michael wanted to get your uh, thoughts. Is this guy probably going to make the roster next year? Who knows? Yeah, right? I looked at the thing. He only played 20 snaps. I'm surprised, right? Yeah, that 20, 22 snaps, something like that. Um, he makes his presence felt. Mm-hmm. He is not a what you call perfect fit in this scheme. You know, you want more athletic guys, but he uh, he's not going to give ground to blockers mm-hmm. so he can hold the point. Um, you know, I think Jones and him are probably the two best players. The one guy, uh, what the hell is his name? The holdover from last year, Al Blackson. He'll, yeah. he'll, he'll play four or five snaps. So you can... You know, you can throw him out. You, you can see that they're not trusting him because he's just not getting any snaps. Yeah. They play with Pennell, Jones, and, and what's the other guy's name? Watts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, who, I, who I think has been playing fairly well, Armani Watts. Um, he's, he should be considered uh, as a comeback player next season. They need a go-to inside presence mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that they don't Indeed. have. Indeed, yes. We'll help the outside guys, too, if you got that inside now, Whether that's in free agency or you you draft Carter. Mm-hmm. And then say, well, I got to get an edge guy. Well, you know, then I, I would say they, they looking at what's available in the draft versus what's available in free agency, I don't see the edge position and free agency being that strong. Mm-hmm. So if it's me, I'm trying to sign some interior guys and then I, I try to draft the edge guy. Yeah. There's some interesting, well, we'll talk more about those, those candidates for in the draft and future shows. Uh, Mr. Shorty wants to uh, know how one goes about becoming a scout. Yeah, we could talk a whole day. Um, Maybe we devote a show to that topic. No, I mean, I, 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 myself, I've been involved in football. I started playing when I was eight. Mm-hmm. I stopped playing when I was 31. So what's that? 23 years I played. Mm-hmm. Um, and then went right into scouting. But I, I had help in that when I was playing minor league football, the one of my coaches was working back then. There was a 
combine. So this goes back to the late seventies, early eighties. Mm -hmm. There was a combine called Quadra that was San Francisco, Dallas, Buffalo, and Seattle. And, you know, back then you didn't have videotape. We carried it. I think, did I show you my old 16 millimeter projector when you were over here? I did. Uh, I, I picked it up uh, and I was like, you walked how many miles of this thing? <laughs> yeah, you, you carry that thing around from school to school and, and you watch 16 millimeter tape mm -hmm. and film, not tape. And you had to have a splice machine with you too. And in, in because when the tape broke sure. or the film broke, you had to splice it and put it back together. Exactly. So, um, but anyway, what they did to supplement the scouts on the road is they hired part-time guys to grade film. And the coach I was playing for was doing this for the bills. And, you know, we were talking and I said, I can do that, you know? And, and so he got me in touch with Bruce Nicholas, who's no longer in the game. Mm -hmm. And Bruce was the, uh, like second in command of the Bills scouting department uh, back then. Norm Pollen was the director of player personnel, and Chuck Knox was the head coach. So he got me in touch with Bruce, and and Bruce introduced me to Norm, and and Norm became like a father figure to me, then and my mentor. But they gave me some tape to watch, and say, write some, write these guys up. Tell me what you see. And so I did, it was like three guys. And it was, I remember it was USC and it was some offensive linemen on USC. And uh, Norm says, Norm used to smoke these big Cuban cigars that were about this long. And he talked like this. <laughs> you know, Gabriel, that ain't too fucking bad. And so, so he said, yeah, we'll do you something. Five bucks an hour. <laughs> That's 1981. Good money. <laughs> it was 1981. And, and I was a, a stockbroker at the time uh -huh. for, um, remember Dean Witter that doesn't exist anymore? Used to, uh, sure, yeah, yeah. Dean Witter Reynolds? Yes. Uh, I was a stockbroker for Dean Witter. Quit my job. Uh, and I had just gotten married. Wow. And, uh, oh my goodness, I was working full-time, part-time for five bucks an hour. Mm. And then, you know, the next year they gave me more money and started sending me on the road. And then, you know, I was doing that two and a half years. And then I finally got a full-time job, but you, you know, back then they worked the hell out of you mm -hmm. and they still try to now that's what they do in, in football is they, they want to see if you can grind. And, you know, and they work you to death yeah. and, and not bitch about it. And uh, because it's long hours, the coaches, you know, a lot of them were ex-coaches and coaches work forever during the season. So that's what they want to see. They want to see if you can put up with that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I did. So uh, that's how I, that's how I got involved. But I knew it was, I, I knew you know, I was making some money as a broker, but I didn't like it. Yeah, you got to do what okay. you love. And it was, 
and I, my mind was always on football. And I, you know, I was playing football. And you know what I hated about being a broker is you had to pick up the damn phone and call people and, you know, make cold calls and that type of thing and sell. And uh, that's, I, I don't like doing that. Yeah. You know, so yeah, you can make a lot of money, but I don't like it. In fact, I, I tell you, you know, after I stopped working for the Bears, I had a guy, guy who I worked with mm-hmm. back at Dean Witter years and years ago. He, uh, you know, he's making a fortune now. He wanted me to reinstate my, my license because of all the wow. connections I got wow. now in the league and come and work for him. He lives in South Carolina now and sure. come and work with him. And, and all I'd have to do is introduce him to people. Yeah. And, and but I, I don't want to do that. You know, it's just it's just something about it that um, selling things just doesn't sit with me. Yeah. I, uh, I, I, I'm with you, man. I'm the same way. I, I don't want any part of that world. Good for people who can do that. And, and the good ones make a hell of a lot of money. And you probably would have made a hell of a lot of money. But so glad. Well, you my, my, my stepson, good, uh, who was actually a broker, mm-hmm. you know, he, he could sell you anything. He, you know, he could sell you the sun in Florida. <laughs> you hear that cliff victoria <laughs> cliff victoria is our one of our resident florida fans here he's he's in the real estate business which is so or, 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 or he can sell you sand in the desert i mean you know it, 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 he's good at it yeah i i i can't do it yeah there's cliff saying he started out in real estate making a hundred cold calls a day god so, love so, you man because i could i hated that no i because the first person calls up and says, I want to talk to you, and hangs up the phone. Yeah. And I take it personal. Yeah. I'm, I'm sort of the same way. You know? Fuck, and it's like, you. fuck this. I don't need this shit. <laughs> exactly. I'll go watch some film. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's get a couple more uh, football questions here. Uh, are you worried about uh, Mr. Kairos Santos? <laughs> he's missed as many um, extra he's points. He's missed three extra points. Uh, yeah, it's two games in a row now. I think he's missed one, isn't it? Yeah, see, but, I think I, I think it's it's cause for concern. Yeah, me too. I, I the, what bothers me is that it seems like Soldier Field is playing tricks with him because he was excellent in Soldier Field last year, but starting with that first game against the 49ers in that rain deluge when he missed two extra points. Oh, so that, he missed four. That's right. He missed those two, and I throw those out the window. Yeah, but he's he's great. He doesn't miss field goals. That's only true. missed one this year, I think, and that was from a, a gazillion yards out. Yeah. Um, I think the wind – did you go to the game? Which one? This, this Yesterday. One? No, I did not. Okay. I, I think the wind it, – it said there was only like a five-mile-an-hour wind or 10-mile-an-hour wind, but I think it was playing – Swirling. Yeah, because of like the one the, the one kick by the Eagles that went off the, the uh, upright, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, and – you know, it just it can play games with you because it does swirl. Yeah, and and you really got to get uh, used to it. But it's and that kick was in the same direction where he missed it, and it went to the right. In fact, when they show the the uh, the the Eagles kick and they have the head-on shot, the end mm-hmm. zone shot, the ball went like straight and it made a right turn. Yes, and it was like really weird. So. um 
yeah, cause for concern for Cairo, but I think, you know, at this point, you don't do anything about it. You bring in competition next year at camp and you know, let them know, let them know that he's got to you know, compete for the job. Yeah. And, and Chubbs is right. He has missed five extra points this year. Oh, four five? Of them, yeah. Four of them at soldier field and one on the road. So uh, I, 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 I'm with you hundred percent there, uh, Greg, I think, you know, next year you bring in camp competition I think that there's a dead cap hit of about $1.5 million if he does not make the team next season, and that's a pocket change for for a team loaded with money. Well, they can give it to me. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, come on. You're man. just going to throw it around. <laughs> Let's see if I got another one here uh, before we pull the plug on this one. Oh, Jeremy wants to know, uh, Greg, is Anderson or Carter worth the second overall pick, or would you trade back? That's the key question there. You know, know, I I wrote about it a couple weeks ago. First of all, you can't make players be worth more than they are. Mm -hmm. You're going to line up the players best to worst, and this guy's the number one player. This guy's the number two player. And the you can't change what's there in a given year. You know, whether they're better or worse than the year before or two years ago, that remains to be seen. This is the, the, the deck of cards you're playing with this year. Mm-hmm. So when you say, are they worth it? Well, Versus who? Because if you, you you answer yourself a couple things. First of all, does somebody want to trade up? Meaning, are the quarterbacks worthy of somebody trading up to get them? Right. Okay. At this time of the year, who the hell knows? Because, you know, we could say, you know, the, the, the kid the Jets took a couple of years ago, number two. In December two years ago, was he being talked about as the second pick in the draft? Oh. Was Trey Lance being talked about as the third pick in the draft? They no. played one game there. No. But they, you know, the coaches started getting involved in at the end of January. Mm-hmm. And then you start talking about needs and you lose people in free agency and all this. And all of a sudden, you got to have somebody. So, you know, it's, you can sit here and play fantasy football mm-hmm. and you can say, oh, yeah, we're going to trade. You know, like, I, I must have seen 10 things in the last two days, you know, between Twitter or something and, and you know, perspective trades and all this. And, and to me, it's, it's just fantasy football because until, first of all, we don't know where we're picking, right? Today we're picking two. And probably that's where they're going to be picking. Is mm-hmm. too because I have a feeling they're not going to win another game. There's just too many guys hurt. Yeah. Um, I thought, in all honesty, they had a chance yesterday. I yeah. thought Philly might be no before the game even started. I thought this is the trap game for Philly. Yeah. You know, and because they got to play a divisional game next week. Mm-hmm. You know, and so they could be a little flat on this one, and they were. Yeah. But. Buffalo is fighting for, they want that home field advantage. They don't want to have to go to Kansas City in the playoffs. So Buffalo's not going to be sitting flat next week, I don't think, anyway. 
And not. if it's eight degrees, it isn't going to bother them. Mm -hmm. Shit, they play in the snow. They don't care. Indeed. And so, you know, Detroit's playing real strong. You got to play that game in Detroit. So it's going to be, you know, tough being that it's on their field. So I don't, I don't see the only game that I think they might have a chance is Minnesota because Minnesota might not play anybody. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> you know, because the game will be totally meaningless to them. That is so true. unless they have to have it for a certain seating, mm -hmm. you know, by that time it may already be locked up. If, so, if the, go ahead, please. But anyway, so until you find out not only where are the Bears picking, but the teams that have a quarterback need. Okay, now somebody said, well, Seattle. Well, Seattle's going to be, they got Denver's pick. They're mm -hmm. going to be picking like right after the Bears. Mm -hmm. Right now they're third. Mm -hmm. Okay, and and because of the, the strength of schedule they have. So why would they trade up? They're not, you know, not going to be like Pace trying to go from three to two. <laughs> I don't think know, so. <laughs> or, or whatever. Okay, then you got, you know, Houston may or may not take a quarterback at one mm -hmm. because they got another number one that right now I think is, you know, if you go on today's record, it's like at 12. Well, you could take the best player at one. Mm -hmm. You could take Carter, you could take Anderson or whatever. And then you can use that second pick and move up to get one of the quarterbacks or you sit and you wait because, you know, who are the best young quarterbacks in the league right now? Well, you could say Patrick Mahomes. Where'd he go? Ten. 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 Okay. Uh, Josh Allen, seven. Seven. Justin Herbert, six. Mm -hmm. Watson before he got his fetish. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think he went 12. Well, yeah, it was 12. Yeah. Fields 11 <laughs> or 12. So why do I got to trade up to two? Mm -hmm. Right. When you look at when you can sit and be patient. Right. Well, that's the deal, though, uh, Greg, is that some of these guys like the 49ers weren't patient because Trey probably would have would have fallen. Uh, because other guys, you know, Mitch Trubisky probably would not have been selected second overall. Some of these guys fall in love with a pick, and you know this better absolutely, than me. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And that's what a team like the Bears would hope for. Yes. But you can't count on it. Right. You know, right. you can't. And, and, and we're sitting here, it's December 19th. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, we get into March – so we got three months yet mm -hmm. and you're going to be after the combine. You're going to be in the middle of pro days and you're going to be five, six weeks before the draft. Now you're going to start getting a feel for are those quarterbacks. And you got the, you got the top three, you got the kid from Kentucky, Levis. You got the kid young from, from Alabama and you got Stroud from Ohio state. Mm -hmm. Okay, those would be the the three that they're they're looking to get. But are those guys worth giving up the farm to get to two, or giving up the farm to get to three, or whatever? Because, like I say, I don't think it's a lock that Houston says I got to take a quarterback at one. 
only because, you know, Nick Casario is the guy making the decision. And Casario is with New England when they get Tom Brady. And, you know, way back. So, you know, he might say, no, I'm taking the best player. I'll, I'll take quarterback. I use that second pick to get move up to get my quarterback if I have mm-hmm. to. It's going to be a fascinating process this offseason and a lot of mind games, a lot of misinformation. I love it when Greg says this is the lying season has started. <laughs> I think the lying season has actually expanded to all 12 months out of the year. Um, but uh, I, I, somebody just came in with a late question here. I would love for you to field uh, Hall Balls, Hall Balls 34 says, when working with such a young team, how do you keep a coaching staff together where you're not bouncing guys year to year? And that is that is a challenge for a for Matt Eberflus is trying to keep this staff intact because that would really be, you know, you can be critical of any of the position coaches or even the coordinators, but really is critical for those guys to develop too and, and to develop their cohesion how do you keep these this staff together well if a guy's going to get a promotion from say a position coach to coordinator mm-hmm. first of all it's a huge he's making over a million dollars a year it's a Indeed. coordinator how are you gonna you can't keep him you know you gotta let the guy go mm-hmm. now you know some of these guys a lot not all the guys on the defensive side of the ball but most of them Work with Flus and Indy. So he's had a long relationship with these guys. Mm-hmm. So, and, you know, you go through and you find out, okay, who was new and, and on the defensive side and who was new on the offensive side. Does he like the way those guys have played or the way those guys have developed? Is he getting what he wants from those coaches? Because just like players, they're going to get reviewed. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, so he could make and mo- most coaches get um, position coaches get two or three year contracts. So, you know, you're, you're going to pay them if, if, if you let them go, you're going to pay them for a year or two, depending on the length of their contract. But if they catch on somewhere else, there's an offset. So what they make somewhere else comes off of what the bears, you know, get them. And most of these guys end up getting a job somewhere, be it college or, or another NFL job. So um, you can't worry about that part. It's all, you know, figured into uh, Mm -hmm. the money allotment, but I want to go back to one other thing that I didn't finish on the draft. And that is when, when you talk about trading back, you know, you, first of all, you got to, have teams that are willing to move up. And mm-hmm. so you got to find out, okay, who needs the quarterbacks, which teams, and you know, the Colts are one, you know, the Seahawks are one, but you know, they, they're going to be sitting with the pick right after the bears. Um, Houston who has the number one pick going to need a quarterback. Uh, and, and there could be a, you know, a few more. So then after that, you got to look at, Okay, if I'm sitting here at two, I'm going to get, regardless of if a quarterback goes with the first pick or not, the worst case scenario is I'm going to come out of this with Anderson or Carter. Correct? Sure. Absolutely. So 
If Houston takes one, I'm taking the other. If they don't take a quarterback, and then I'm taking my pick of the two if they do take a quarterback. Yeah. So now the trade-down question is, what am I better off with? Carter or Anderson versus who I can get at nine, say. Right. And the next pick. What's going to help the team better? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so you got and and you look at your board and you say, okay, well, I can get that kid from Texas Tech at nine, that edge rusher, and I like him a lot. So you know, and I'm just this is hypothetical. So yeah, I'll make that deal. You know, and and then I got the bonus picks coming in. Mm-hmm. Or whatever. So th- those are all parts of, of what goes on when you're strategically trying to plan these things out. And um, the value, as, as Chubb says here, the value of a generational player. Would you consider either one of those guys, those pass rushers, the DT or the edge rusher, a generational player, because those are, those are guys that are really, really difficult to bypass. Even if you're going to acquire another number one next year and a later number one this year and some bonus picks. Um, well, let's talk Anderson first. I don't think he's a miles Garrett. And I don't think he's a chase young. Okay. Now forget chase young's gotten hurt since he's been with Washington. Mm-hmm. what he was coming out. Both those guys went first overall. Um, first of all, he's not as big as either one of those guys. You know, he's going to be Anderson was, they got him listed at 245. He's probably going to play in our league at 250, 255. He's not a, a power guy like those guys, but he's got a lot of speed and he can come off the edge. And, you know, he's going to be more like a Quinn. Okay. Last year, okay. Um, I don't think he's as, even as powerful as Mac was. Okay. Now Mac went Mac went fourth uh, when he came out, but he's just you know when you look at his play, I just don't you don't see that power. God, mm-hmm. I mean, he's really good. I'm not taking away. the other. The Carter's a freak, mm-hmm. uh, and to play either line position. But then part of part of your discussion is what has more value? And again, free agency will have something to do with this. So if I'm signing some guys to play inside, then I want Anderson. Mm-hmm. But if I end up taking some guys outside, then you take Carter. But Carter, I think, could be a, you know, Chance can be a, a, a very dominant inside player. So mm-hmm. what's more important, you know, the value of position is the edge guy. But when you look at this team, they need them both. So, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to, I'm not going to complain no matter who they take. But yeah. again, it's, if I trade down, this is what I'm getting rid of. I'm, I might be getting rid of a perennial pro bowl type player mm-hmm. for, multiple players and what are we better off at and you better have a darn good answer to that question before you make that move 
you know, and and say, and and have a, a feel good for the guys that you think you can get with those other picks. Yeah. And like you said, and Laz is repeating it, free agency will tell you where they're going to go uh, in this draft. Uh, that's typically the way it is. Um, you know, I hate to change the subject here, but this really interesting question popped up, J2K. Greg, do you have any inside thought on who Pep likes more, given the quarterbacks coming out? Maybe a question for another show? Uh, in all honesty, I got to put a call into Pep this week. And the reason being, I, I don't know if I should say this on here or not, is um, you know the 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 East West game is going to have the full NFL coaching staff. Mm -hmm. So right now, as it sits right now, if they accept the invitation, it would be Houston and the Bears. And Houston, being the top seed, would have their pick of the quarterbacks. Now there, there's some good quarterbacks that haven't committed to any game yet. Mm -hmm. And the reason, and, and the best one will be Levis because Stroud and Young are, are, aren't eligible to play in an all-star game, which I think is the stupidest rule in the world. Indeed. Okay. Why, why the, the league will not let these guys play is beyond me. But I mean, this goes back since before he was even playing. So um, or scouting rather, but anyway, I want to get Pep's thought on. Hey, Pep, we're going to let you have your pick of the quarterback. If you guys, you know, choose to coach in this game, and this is the guy, you know, you could be picking the guy you're 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 coaching next year, you know, you so. Uh, mm -hmm. It's important. Yeah, yeah. So I, I want to get his feeling on that. Um, that's why I like my assignment for the week. And then, and then uh, but, you know, there's, I don't like bothering guys during certain times and like today and tomorrow morning or game plan, you know, so they're getting ready for, for Saturday's game. So, you know, I got to wait for the right time to give them a holler. There you go. I, I got a, a, you reminded me of the story when I was at the Shrine Bowl game and I asked uh, uh, Matt Patricia a question. He was coaching one of the teams after the game. And I asked him, did you fall in love with a particular player this week? And he said, yes. Long pause. And then he started laughing because, of course, he wasn't going to tell me or yeah. any of the reporters in the room who he fell in love with. So uh, that is going to be interesting. It'll be I wish I was a fly on the wall when you talk to Pep, uh, whether it's this week or next. Uh, well, no, I just, you know, I, I all I want to know is that or if, if they're interested. Um, and and. Michael says Pep wants a QB, Lovey wants a running back. Well, guess what? Neither one of them are going to have the say. The say is going to be Nick Casario, who's the GM. Mm -hmm. uh, and some people think, you know, Lovey could be one and done. I cannot see that happening. Yeah, that's and, I, and, I, and I'll tell you why. And I don't want to cross the line here, but. They had a coach in there last year, brought him in, one and done. Yeah. They elevate Lovey. Both are minority coaches. You cannot do that. That's not fair. If you do that two years in a row, 
Yeah. First of all, how do you, how would he get a coach? This year? Well, who the hell would interview? Yeah, right. Saying you know, I'm only going to get one year. <laughs> exactly. It's and, not and good. When when the other guys got saying who's on you know who's on the roster. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a good look if you do that. Yeah. Um, so you know, it's a tricky situation. It really is a tricky situation because I, if you're going to bring in a quarterback early uh, pick first round, uh, you would like to bring him in with a coaching staff that you've committed the next three, four years to, you know? Uh, and so that's perhaps the the question for Nick over in Texas is, are you ready to make that two, three year commit to, commitment to Lovey? Because that would really benefit the quarterback. Don't you uh, agree with that? Um, yeah, it does from the, from the standpoint that, like, like with Fields, he doesn't have to come in as a rookie and learn one system, and then in year two learn a second system, which in essence sets you back a little bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. you're 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 redoing; it's a redo of your rookie year. Yeah. There's debate in the chat room regarding uh, Lovey's future with the Texans. J2K says, "I don't see Lovey getting fired." Chubbs on the other way, on the other hand, saying that defense for the Texans was 29th this year. They are like what 30th, and they won six games, so he could see uh, Lovey getting fired. But you got to also account for the lack of talent uh, on both the Bears. Texans, all these teams that are, are with terrible records, there's, a, there's usually a reason for it. I mean, it's usually number one talent. <laughs> yeah, and and Lovey's not responsible for the lack of the talent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and so yeah. I, I, I some people think they're not well coached or whatever. You know, people can have all the opinion. I'm not even looking at that. I'm just saying, are you going to fire two years in a row a head coach after only one year? That's a great point. And the fact that it's two minority coaches when the league is trying really hard to give minority coaches and GMs more opportunities, that would be a horrible look for the Texans and the NFL. Greg, um, I think – we're about ready. We give them. We gave them ninety minutes, an extra thirty minutes of. Program. Well, we always go at least ninety, and and shit, you only pay me for forty-five. Like, what the hell? I, mean, I think I paid you like for ten minutes. <laughs> start sending some money in, to, folks. You bar flies out there, start picking up the tab. <laughs> I love it. Uh, we will be back next week. Are the Bears playing Saturday or Sunday? Saturday. Saturday. Christmas right? Eve. Yeah. Why did I think it was Christmas Day? Holy no, Christmas God. Day. God, it's going to be really cold Christmas Day. Oh my Saturday's God. cold, but Christmas Day is going to be even colder, and we're going to get a lot of snow on um, Thursday and Friday. Oh, my goodness. Well, Hell, Buffalo, um, Buffalo might not even be able to get here. Well, you know, they, they shut down O'Hare, you know, after about six inches of snow. Yeah, well, uh, that might be the best news for the Bears if the Buffalo doesn't show up or at least leave Josh Allen home and make it interesting. If Buffalo me. never closes down that airport. Oh I mean, I'll tell you what, now go back. All day I'm saying, oh, there's going to be this torrential snowfall in Buffalo. Uh, They're going to have to put the game last week to, to from Saturday night to Sunday. Did you watch any of that game? 
Yeah. I saw it was dry as a bone until five minutes were left in the game. <laughs> That's right. It snowed about three or four inches earlier in the day. It was all gone Crazy. off the field. You know, it, people overreacting because it's Buffalo. Yep. Indeed. Oh, we're going to get 70 inches of snow. Yeah. Indeed, oh, indeed. That happens every 20 years. Oh, it's annoying. It's annoying as hell. I mean, if you're a meteorologist, boy, you talk about job security. These guys make bad decisions almost every day. <laughs> and the 10-day weather forecast is just a joke. All right, everybody, we're going to pull the plug. Make sure you uh, check out Bears Country podcast tonight starting at 7 p.m. Central. Here is a holiday wish from Greg, and uh, we'll pull the plug on this one. Take care, everybody. Merry Christmas, everybody. Thank you.